On September 12, 1980, the anniversary of Steve Biko's death, the New Zealand Rugby Football Union invited White South Africa to send the Springbok team to New Zealand. the N to Z of film with Andy and Rajiv. Hello and welcome to season four of the N to Z of film, Wonder Waihene, which is a season in which uh, we discuss the films made by prominent women New Zealand filmmakers. I'm your co-host uh, Rajiv. Oh, and I'm your other host, Andy. And today we're discussing the 1983 movie Patu. Andrew, do you want to do us a synopsis? I sure do. Uh, Patu is a it's a documentary. It's our first documentary, I believe, Rajiv. First, indeed. Uh, uh, yes, the documentary about the 1981 Springbok tour to New Zealand, and specifically the uh, protests uh, that sprung up around that in New Zealand. That's right. It's, uh, it is the first documentary we're doing, and possibly... Looking at the history of New Zealand film, possibly one of the, uh, as far as the modern um, history from when New Zealand film from 1977 onwards, when the Interim Film Commission was set up and the beginning of our modern era of filmmaking came into existence, possibly the most important uh, documentary, the first sort of groundbreaking sort of documentary. Barry Barclay and whatnot were doing a lot of stuff on TV, but this was like a cinematic release. So, you know, some, someone, some, some nerd out there will probably tell me off, but I, I feel like this is a very important document as far as New Zealand cinema goes. I don't think anyone can argue that it's an important New Zealand documentary. It's certainly a document of an important time in New Zealand's history, I think. So this is, okay, so the 1981 Springbok tour. A this bit of happened, background history? Bit of background yeah, so history. this happened two years before I was born, a year before you were born. So this is apartheid era South Africa sending their rugby team to New Zealand to partake in a tour. There were many, many protests uh, to, first of all, try and stop the tour, but then to also, uh, once the tour actually was going ahead, disrupt it as much as possible and to try and cancel any games as much as possible. Mm -hmm. I think that's sort of a good cliff notes, if you will, uh, version of that sort of history. Yeah, and New Zealand sort of had a weird a weird history as far as like uh, the condemnation of uh, apartheid, which just to be one hundred percent clear uh, is a bad thing. And so bad, super <laughs> bad, not super not, bad because super bad sounds good. Really super, bad, really bad, like not a good thing at all. And no. so in nineteen seventy six, there was a call to boycott, and I think we were boycotted right from the Olympics uh, because of our sort of acceptance of. Uh, the touring rugby team like we would go over to south africa and they would come here yeah uh, so the there's past, lots of so. especially like so there was quite a lot of um, talk in the documentary about the history of it and such and that you know the new zealand rugby team would tour in south africa except maori players weren't We're allowed, allowed. Yeah. until 1960 uh, something i'm sort of blanking on the dates but this was you know forgive me this happened all before i was born um <laughs> 
But there is like the, like even before 1991, which is when all this happened, which was quite a defining moment in the history of New Zealand, and you know is still etched in the memories of a lot of people, which we'll get into. There was a history of us not being having the best sort of uh, world standing because rah rah rugby is religion, New Zealand. Um, where you know, and I think especially a, especially <laughs> more at that time. I think less so now, but I mean, rugby is definitely a, a big force in New Zealand. I mean, I think there's generally there. Were, I mean, there's obviously always going to be the hard sort of folk that are always like, I don't give a shit about anything except rugby, and also the people that are like, uh, I don't care about black people because I'm racist. But I think the general consensus in New Zealand has swung to apartheid is bad. <laughs> I think that's the, the general consensus of the world, really. Except, <laughs> Which is well, good. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Australia just was doing something weird with white South African farmers recently, so. Were they? Oh, I don't, I don't yeah. know about that. Okay, well, we won't get into that because that's no. <laughs> um, but at the time, I mean, as you as depicted in this documentary, there were people that were like on the streets and are harassing these protesters, pretty much being like, "I don't like black people, so what does it matter?" And oh yeah, so them... <laughs> the the documentary itself is constructed quite well. So I watched this on the New Zealand on screen website, and the documentary is essentially broken up into five chapters Mm. but so it sort of made an interesting viewing experience so for the first chapter maybe the first two chapters the sort of 20 minute chapters the first chapter or so was pre-tour right so it was all about people trying to get signatures to the petition to stop the tour and then my partner was telling me off because i was huffing and puffing about people because i was annoyed because people were just being dumb racists but right. not like, <laughs> and it's that it's that racism that isn't fuck one sort of particular race. It's like just that systemic institutionalized racism. Yeah, I mean there there were lots of lots of elements of racism on display. I mean the the most yeah. prominent form was sort of stupid. I like I like rugby and screw black people. Just let the rugby happen. Um, yeah, and then is... there's like this guy talking about how oh god damn like. Say it was the the wogs in charge, and they'll put you down, and which is confusing because I was Maori people are different because they're brown, they're not black, so they're fine. And it's just like his his the term he used was Maori people are adaptable, as in we have a prominent white thing going on here, and if you can't adapt to that, screw you. And wogs cannot adapt to that because they're wogs and a lower class of being. I was confused because I I don't I get confused by white, white people racism terms. So I was confused by the term wog, which I thought was an Italian, a Greek folk. Is that not a Greek term for Greeks? Uh, I mean, I mean, you and I know, and I'm pretty sure most of our uh, large listener base know, racism is never not stupid. So no, I I was very confused about the term wog. I'm like, I'm pretty sure wog is not the correct racial term for for black people, but whatever. <laughs> It's just some dumb white guy on the street. Because then be they were racist, they, at least be properly racist. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they they point those the you know the protesters the signature the people trying to get signatures pointed out. Well, you know, uh, what about Maori? You know, this person over here is married to a Maori person. He was like very very clear that Maori people are a different case. They're a whole different kettle of fish. Like they're fine. Oh, well, this, <laughs> this, they're this, brown. This, yeah, sort of struck me as a person who um, was like. No, New Zealanders aren't racist because look how well we've treated the Maori. Because they're adaptable, you see. It's they they oh. get the they get what we're I trying mean, to do for them. I know this was like <laughs> almost forty years ago now. Yeah, yeah. Ay, ay, ay. 
It's pretty well, funny it's, how, it's, how it's, far it's a, it's a real, and sort of watching it again as well, because I haven't seen this since we watched it in film studies. It's a real sort of rip of the band-aid off of thinking mm. of New Zealand as this great egalitarian, we're not racist, we're very progressive, we are the first country to give women the vote, and, oh, didn't we do well by the Maoris, and, you know, that sort of... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which as, which as an ethnic minority, I never really felt that, but there was definitely a feeling that, that New Zealanders definitely felt that about themselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's, it's a weird one. It's the level of uh, sheer stupidity and being on the wrong side of history. I mean, there are people even to this day that are like, those damn protesters, they ruined our, our rugby matches. You know, very much so. There would definitely be people that feel that way, even to this day. Uh, which is a problem because <laughs> um, you are clearly on the wrong side of history in this scenario. Yeah, because <laughs> the most important thing was the rugby, not the um, horrific uh, abuse of human rights happening in our country. Sure, but, but, the, but the thing... So, hey, we are obviously very much coming down on the side, as is this documentary. Pretty much, which was something Maria Tamita was criticised for at the time. I mean, it's funny that whole... Um, part of me is like, oh, I feel kind of bad for them because they're just dumb. <laughs> The party was like, screw them, whatever. They're just on the wrong side of history. But they're, but the thing is, you know, you know, why, why are you mixing your politics with my sport? Because, you know, we just want to have a good time and sport is a unifying thing. And isn't it great that we can play sport together? Whereas, like, you, you know, you're not seeing the, the larger ramification of what this actually means in the world. You know, like how it is viewed upon by the world. Yeah, you know, so you've, you've jumped to, uh, <laughs> straight to something that I was very keen to talk about with this and the whole... Oh, keep your politics out of our sport. That's such a bullshit statement by anyone. Yeah. I mean, when is politics not a part of sport? Really? really? Well, when's politics on, on the global not, scale? not a part of life? That's and on a what global politics scale. is. It involves people. People are involved, therefore it's political. Also, allowing the tour was a political act. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. to say, well, keep your politics out of our sport, you know, wankers, um, doesn't really fly. And especially no. this... I was thinking about this even before watching the film. It becomes even more relevant, you know, recently in the States with Colin Kaepernick and the mm. American football players kneeling during the anthem to silently protest the massive police brutality against black people in America and mm -hmm. people getting inflamed about that. People are very angry about it, yeah. It's like the, it's like the only people who demand that you keep politics out of sport or politics out of art politics out of films are those who are interested in keeping the status quo yeah 100 percent agree with that statement but i suspect also some of the people that do that are subconsciously trying to keep the status quo but consciously just uh pretty dumb like they don't actually understand how things work like politics out of art i'm just like what are you talking about like like, yeah <laughs> what, what what is that what's politics out of art just like pretty pictures like that don't mean anything like what that's not art but then that's <laughs> political in and of itself because it's denying a political reality so yeah 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 it's just absolutely no way it's just some crazy stuff it's like ah! I, you know, I always come back to those guys that were like i argued it on twitter that were the the star trek trump supporters and I'm like, what like, what <laughs> like star trek is so political like it's so progressive there's no money in the future. <laughs> like, it's so funny. I'm like, what? There's no, like, the capitalist free market that you love so much doesn't exist. <laughs> like, 
It's a very, make very... Make the Federation like, great again. Jesus Christ. Make the Federation great. I mean, it's not even like... That stuff's not even... It's not subtle. It's not like, oh, yeah, you missed it. It's in your... It's Roddenberry was not a subtle writer. It's in your face. So, yeah, yeah so this whole keeping art out of... Politics out of art or politics out of anything, as you just said, is kind of weird. You know, unless you're children. Unless you're just children trying to have a fun time and you don't want someone... I don't know, beating over yes, the head. Yes, if you're with a child, if you're politics. a child or someone interested in just keeping the status quo, with <laughs> yeah. straight white people on top. That's right. Straight white men on top. Okay, so so that was a criticism of straight white men. So we're going to get the hate mail again. Um, so well, fucking <laughs> speaking as a straight white man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think leads me into talking a bit about Murata Mita, the, the documentarian herself. Uh, the yes, let's, let's do that because this is what the uh, season is actually about. And sorry, we got very sidetracked with um, very strident commentary of things. I don't think it's sidetracked. Before we were I born, I guess, but... And I don't think it's strong. I think it's just correct. We're on the correct side of history, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You um, hear that? Yeah. We're correct. <laughs> we are correct. That's right. But let's, um, let's talk But let's talk Murata Mita. Yeah, so she, like, that whole thing of, like, the the white male voice, the middle-class white male voice, which was, you know, prominent in New Zealand. Uh, I mean, even now, but much, much more so yeah. in, the, in the 70s and 80s. I, I don't actually know her, her direct background, but she did end up working on um, crews as production assistants and then later on as uh, directors and stuff on, on various things. One of them was a, a Maori TV show, a uh, news show called Koha in the 70s. This is before Tikarere in New Zealand, which even though it was focused on Maori issues and and whatnot, still had a specification that no more than two percent of the programming should be in Te Reo Maori, which is really interesting because that's a very wow. small percentage. Um, and she said, "That's like a cura, right? Let's move on speaking that's English." Right. Exactly. I mean, even even then, like surely even any Maori that's shown on a on a, a news show that's uh, being broadcast on our public broadcast system to a predominantly white New Zealand is going to be subtitled. So the whole like, oh, you can't have any Maori language is pretty racist. Like it's just a full on blatant racist thing. Like no no Maori language. Um, but she also, from my reading, uh, felt that anything that was sort of focused on Maori issues was done so from a very Pākehā perspective, like they would employ Māori people yeah. uh, and accrue only to be like liaisons uh, for uh, Māori people that they would have to talk to on the shows or, or communities that they would go into. So, you know, she sort of wanted to branch away from that and, and do her own thing, which is where, you know, this, this documentary sort of came out from. But before that point, she was asked to get her crew together and go film the Bastion Point protest. Do you remember Bastion Point? She made this documentary called Day 507, which I think I remember watching in, in high school. It mean, sounds was, vaguely familiar, but again, it's sort of like it's things that happened before I was a conscious <laughs> entity. Yeah, yeah. Well, me, me too. But, but, um, but you know, that was about the, the Ngāti Whātua uh, iwi being forced off their land. And I think someone actually died in that, in that situation, and that was like a big catalyst to her becoming a... A filmmaking force so 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 Murtamita is quite influential as far as like uh she's definitely one of the most important voices yeah yeah i mean i mean not not yeah. even as a woman just as one of the voices at the beginning and then the late 70s and early 80s as you know the, the the renaissance of new zealand cinema which has kind of been asleep for you know 40 odd years so she's she's right at the forefront of that movement of trying to you know get maori voices into the Onto, onto screens, uh, along with people like Barry Barclay and um, and uh, Tama Poata, who was actually in Patu, which is interesting. So this, the movie we watched, you know, um, Patu, is the sort of culmination of a lot of things. And one of them is kind of like, 
it's hard to pin, pinpoint it when you're watching it, but something feels a little bit, I guess because there's, there's, there's very minimal narration and it's mainly to, told with images and there's no talking heads. And, and at times it feels kind of cyclical because at the end of the film, you're sort of being shown scenes from previous protests at the beginning of the movie. And it's kind of a, like a Maori viewpoint in its storytelling in the, in the way it frames time, which is something that she later was criticized for her narrative film Maori, which people were quite critical of. And she was like quite militant in her stance that critics understand it because it's being told from a Maori perspective, which re- sort of rejecting traditional uh, Pākehā or European Western sort of ideals of what, what filmmaking is. And it's great. You know, I'm, I'm watching Pate, I'm thinking, this is really, like, one, it's a document, but two, the way the story is being told, um, like you like you sort of mentioned in, in NZ on screen, the way it's broken, those five bits kind of help as well. The way it's being told is kind of, you get a view of, of the progression of it, but it's also kind of holistic, like it feels like it wraps, it wraps around in it, on itself in the way that it tells yeah. the story. Yeah, there's <laughs> lots, I mean, yeah, there's lots of interesting work with time, and cross-cutting in it. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Like they, they, they cross-cut between like... The one that really stands out to me is, well, it's probably the most obvious example, is when the group of protesters invade the... It's in Hamilton, isn't it? Invade the, the rugby ground at Hamilton. Mm. The game is cancelled. And then you, you know, cut to the uh, group of protesters in Wellington who are marching down the motorway, which I <laughs> thought was so holy crazy. moly. Um <laughs> Hearing about they've managed to cancel the game, big celebrations, <clears throat> hooray, 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 we're all heading home, what a great victory for us, cutting in between them singing and the protesters in Hamilton having been beaten. That's right, yeah, yeah. By the crowds and, well, police and everyone. That's right, yeah. And so. so that sort of interesting juxtaposition of things happening at the same time. Yeah. But then, um, and- yeah, so, and then also cutting between protests happening and then especially still images of protests in south africa that's what i wanted to get to like like one of the most striking things for me was when we have that auckland students or auckland um some sort of theatrical group they're doing a theatrical protest like it's a a street art performance uh and yeah which i was like what what is happening right now (laughs) i sort of didn't quite get it at first and then i was like oh right they're not real guns good well they also the man andrew (laughs) Also, the, I would have thought the simple fact that the military soldiers that were um, trying to fight against them all had giant hippie beards might have been. Yeah, I was like, "What the marker. hell is going on? Are these like <laughs> university security guards? Do they have guns? What?" Um, but d- I'm clever. That, <laughs> when you know they, they shoot the protesters, and it's you know, it's, it, I mean, that guy leading the student march, whoever that man is, is very intense. John Minto. No, no, in the student bit, the bit where it was like the, the reenactment. That wasn't John. John Minto, I think, came out and rocked them up. And then there was the one leading the Amandla chant. Yeah, that one. I don't know whether John was there yeah. at that time, but if you say so, I mean, uh, I have to go and re- re- go so, watch that. But... But, but that was, that was really great because, you know, once, once they were shot, in inverted commas, by the, by the military, you know, we, we, that's when they, I think might have been one of the first, no, that was the second time we cut to shots of Steve Biko, uh, yeah. and shots of uh, various other people injured in South Africa, black and white shots and shots of police brutality, you know, intercut with these students lying on the ground. It's like, oh, this is really cool. Like, you know, that's some really, you know. Some powerful, uh, powerful, powerful storytelling. Imagery. imagery, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and, and Marita Mita, we just go back to her. She She's had a varied career. I mean, she, you know, she directed Māori, which is a New Zealand um, documentary, uh, a New Zealand uh, feature film about a, 
issues of race and ethnicity and racism in a small rural community, which, you know, was not very well received by critics. And I must admit that I wasn't too impressed by the film, but uh, reading the reading criticism of it right now, I really want to go back and watch that again. So I'm going to go find that. Um, but, you know, per- personal to me, uh, she directed Shafu's uh, Waka music video, which won a bunch of awards. And I didn't realize that. I really liked that, that song and that music video sort of retro and sort of sepia toned and uh, canoes on the water, Waka, New Zealand Waka. Um, and, you know, for a time she was a uh, partner with Jeff Murphy, New Zealand's Jeff mm-hmm. Murphy, maker of uh, such films as Utu and Goodbye Pot Pie. And she served as uh, as the sort of main one of the main Māori consultants, and I think second unit actually on Utu. She was in Utu, but I think she she did a lot of sort of. It's a very big film, so I think she was utilized in directing work on that, which was released the same year as Patu, which is interesting. Um, um, and then she went off to Oof. she went off to set up a teaching institute. Um, she was teaching at the University of Hawaii, very script writing and filmmaking. And she set up like an initiative for indigenous filmmaking there before returning to New Zealand. So she's quite sort of quite the force to be reckoned with as far as like filmmaking prowess goes and uh yeah i mean like you can't say that she wasn't a massive force no i think just yeah not just in new zealand history but uh new zealand film history new zealand history but in sort of various other cultures yeah 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 that's right because she because she would she she helped she helped like there was a there was a i'm from fiji and there was a uh, Fijian feature film I think one of the first and possibly the, uh, the first directed by a Fijian and I think maybe actually Fiji's first feature film The Land Have Eyes which she you know mentored and produced and so she's you know and she did I think she's done the same with uh, Hawaiian filmmakers when she was in Hawaii like native Hawaiian indigenous voices so she's quite you know that was kind of her big her big deal is that the indigenous voice which is really prominent in Patu. like the I, something I didn't I didn't remember at all was the the Aboriginal protesters from Australia that have that came along. Oh like yeah, as, coming as over to uh, show solidarity. Yeah, yeah, I thought that um, was really great. Right, and that and that history is a goddamn circle, isn't it? Because you know it just reminded me of the uh, was it last year or the year before the uh, pipeline in the yes. states running through yeah, the yeah. just the the sort of outpouring of of solidarity and support you saw from indigenous cultures around the world yeah 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 which you do i mean that that australian guy made it i mean he was he was correct in his point like you know we we can't expect we can't expect progress in our own country if we don't have the support and we don't support others in their fights in other countries like that that's that's you know we're a global community in that respect (laughs) which is great yeah and so um just sort of very quickly spinning off from that um whilst I remember it, like, I was sort of surprised that to have the, the protest, the protesters, how diverse they were in terms <laughs> of, it wasn't just like the, um, the young Maori hippies, women groups or, and hippies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, an anti-racist, anti-racist protesters, it was trade unions, rugby, like local rugby unions, church leaders, like, oh, these, yeah. like, you know, it was a, diverse large group of people who were against this it wasn't just some fucking hippies out to ruin your game of rugger like this was (laughs) grannies yeah yeah priests i mean my my favorite one was yeah 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 i mean there were were the two of my favorite group part of the protesters was was one there was the the elderly maori woman at at the marae in rotorua oh yeah 
and she was the best. She's like, we're not, you know, we're not afraid. We're Maori people aren't afraid of anything. You know, we've been we've been fighting all our lives. And I was like, yeah, you go, yeah. lady. <laughs> um, and the other one was the um, old veteran, the war veteran, who I think was wearing a priest collar. I wasn't quite entirely sure, but he yeah, was I all think like... yeah, it was a uh, uh, <laughs> um, outside uh, the cathedral in Christchurch. Yeah, 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 and he, you know, he'd fought the Nazis, you know, and I felt yeah. kind of bad. I felt kind of bad for him, like, oh, Nazis are back, dude. I'm sorry. Um, he was, he was like, he was like, and this is some silly nonsense. Like, you know, I was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Damn straight man. You know, I fought the Nazis, and this is, you know, the, what they're doing in apartheid is the same silly nonsense. And I'm like, damn straight man. Yeah, so there's well, an it army. Was, it was also crazy, like when you've got like the protesters who got onto the grounds in Hamilton. Hmm. You saw at least two, maybe three priests, like some of them well, carrying I a mean, cross, like, and yeah, yeah, yeah. crowds just, like, <laughs> yelling at them, wankers. Argh, I know, I know. Like, just drunk people. Yeah. Just dumb people that want rugby more than anything else. I mean, <sighs> you know, for all my, my real-life criticism of the church, and I had many, um, the Catholic yes. Church, we're thanked in the credits of this, they paid a large, important part in this process. So thank you very much to the clergy involved with that, I would... You know, it's it's great. Well, it's interesting, it's, uh, yeah, because it seems like well, at least the ones that Maratamita talked to in the film, you know, mm. had been in South Africa, like they'd gone over and to ministries there, or you know, like the veteran who had fought the goddamn Nazis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, I mean, like sometimes you clutch onto funny things you see that are amusing, but then you, but then it makes you think like. Oh, that's that's crazy! Like you know, you you talked about the diversity. I really latched onto at one point. I saw in three different scenarios, three different older gentlemen smoking pipes while linked oh, yeah. arms and being part of the protest. I'm like, that's so. You know, I'm like, oh, that's funny. But I'm like, but these are like older, well-to-do gents that are like, yeah, I'm gonna help be part of this protest and possibly get beaten by police and smoke my pipe while I do it. Yeah, you know? so like, that's and that's an interesting. Um, so with the film sort of progresses from and i guess the actual events progressed from getting signatures for a petition protesting the a national party fundraiser mm-hmm. with wankers getting out of cars and like pulling the fingers at the protesters one of those people pulling the fingers at the protesters was was well-known new zealand property developer and quite well-known racist uh bob jones robert jones yay then- glad to hear that <laughs> fucker's been a fucker forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and Robert Muldoon himself actually turned up. Yeah, at that scenario. A prick. Um, <laughs> where was I? Uh, yes, and then so progressing from that until you've got sort of like with some of the uh, protest sort of marches and such, you see sort of the police on the side just sort of being there because there's a large group of people and so they're just marshalling everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually another thing as well. It sort of goes into the actual organization of a that's protest, right. like training people yeah, to yeah, link yeah, yeah. arms and keep arms linked and to sort of all the things that, that they do. And so you can see that this, like these people knew what they were doing. I mean, they're well organized. Um, I mean, John Minto yeah. is well known in New Zealand as, as a very passionate man uh, to a lot of people as a troublemaker. But realistically, he's just uh, very passionate about uh, important probably, ideas. What he believes in, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's well, and also yeah, and I just uh, it was quite inspiring as well that they took inspiration from New Zealand's own protest, well, New Zealand Maori protest history, for example, with Parihaka. Parihaka. Um, yeah. So then it all progresses until we get to at least you know sort of in the last couple of sections, as it were, last couple of chapters. You have 
and this is like, and I think it's because it's just it's, it's in our hometown, mm. in Wellington. The army putting up fucking barbed wire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did it in Palmerston North too, because I think the tour went in lots of places. But yeah, yeah. But it's just because I think it's just because it's Wellington, and it's like, oh, I kind of recognise those streets. Yeah, it was. It was the barbed I mean, that wire, was and they've got like they've obviously fun. Like they've put up um, shipping containers to create a bottleneck. I think the shipping cops. containers were in Auckland, but anyway, yeah, it's 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 oh, a little they, confusing. I think they had them in Wellington as well. I'm not too sure, but just to see that, and then to see the cops with their fucking belly clubs. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Which okay, so there's one point in the film where they're like twirling them about, trying to kind mm. of. It looked like they were trying to look cool, but you're just like, oh, you look like a dick. I think I think that that was standard operating procedure. I don't know whether they're trying to look cool. I think there is like uh, if you you swig it left and right as part of uh, movement. Well, they were sort of doing like twirly twirly sort of twirling, if you know what I mean. No, I, I, like, I saw I saw it. I, I thought I thought oh that looks a bit weird, but I'm pretty sure that was that would have just been standard operating procedure. I'm I don't think sure it would have been effective. But also like <laughs> you look like a dick. Also, <laughs> so, <laughs> but then so and then and then to see them sort of like walking towards the protesters. Just jabbing their sticks at them and then beating unarmed people. And you see more than, way more than one cop laying the boot in. That's what I was trying to say a minute ago. I think the point where they look like the dick the most is when they're beating unarmed protesters. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's possibly the. There's even one point in the film where one of the guy, one of the cops looks directly at the camera and he looks kind yeah. of shocked. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God damn it! I'm on film. <laughs> but then at the same time, that there there are some um, there's this amazing footage. Like there's that shot where there are the cops advancing on the protesters, and she's somehow got the camera in between two cops, like right low, right in there, like yeah, even yeah, just yeah. I think below waist height. Yep. Framing so there's these two cops on either side of the frame, and then right in the middle is this just like protester, just looking very calm. Almost serene, just holding a, a sign, and I think it was like "End Racism Now" or "Kick yeah, the Racist yeah, yeah. Out." Yeah, no yeah. racism here, and it's just like, how? That's amazing and beautiful. Also, how the fuck did you get that? Because then the camera, I think, even just moves from being between the cops, and then literally, oh yeah, comes around and it gives you the whole shot of the cops moving in on the protesters. Yeah, I mean, so uh, this leads this leads into my. I want. I'd like to go in about uh, the camera work. So, uh, I think that that was achieved because of the caliber of people behind these cameras. Did you read the end credits? Like, I mean, the uh, people volunteered their time uh, to just be part of this, and I don't think anyone was paid any sort of fee. They were like, "This is a, an important moment in history. I got to be part of this." Yeah. So, as part of that, there, there's about you know, there's one guy credited as the the main cinematographer of a guy called Barry Harbert. But with a film like this, because they're just they're mobilizing everyone at one time to just get as much footage as they can, you know, there's there's a million Cameron. So in that list of credits are Walker Atwell, Alistair Barry, Ellen Bollinger, Roger Donaldson, John Bartle, Ellen Gilfill, uh, Russell Campbell, one of our, our film lecturers from back in the day, and Helen Bollinger, so which um, amongst others, but those are the ones. Oh, and Leon Narby, one of the ones that I wrote down. Oh, and Ewan Frizzell. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, some names, going yeah. into, some names, yeah. into a huge list of um, what these guys have done. I mean, uh, Alan Bollinger, of course, is one of New Zealand's preeminent cinematographers. Uh, and so, I think it was Alistair Barry or Alan Bollinger. So, so Russell Campbell, um, 
um, one of our lecturers, me and Andrew, went to film school. One of the guys that lectured us is quite prominent in the documentary scene in New Zealand. Um, him and Alistair Barry and I think a guy called Rod Prosser set up a thing called Vanguard Films in which they would make socially conscious left-leaning documentaries about things they were you know, passionate about. One of them was this thing called Wildcat, which was about the, the Wildcat strike. And I think Alan Bowen, I think Alistair Barry was able to sneak into police meetings or something by posing as a, um, a camera assistant. A stills cameraman assistant so so they've got i think that this group of people that are helping make part have this sort of sensibility of like you know this you know get the shot at whatever cost even to ourselves so that that shot behind the police and i'm like oh yeah that that seems completely you know yeah. within the realms of what these guys are willing to do you know to, to get the shot you know i mean these, I these are like people these are people that are like huge in the new zone of imagery i mean we waka atwell is like I mean, I, I met him a couple many times, and he's a, he's a great dude, but he's super talented cinematographer, you know. And Roger Donaldson, I mean, just a couple of years before this, he'd made a movie called Sleeping Dogs about you know New Zealand becoming a police state, and he'd filmed many scenes of policemen beating on regular poor New Zealanders, uh, and now here it is playing out in real life, you know. <laughs> he's shooting these scenes. It's just it's insane. Like this is this is some amazing filmmaking. I just I love it. You know, it's it's just. It's so great. I mean, Leon Narby. I mean, he he's he he was the DOP on um, the Deadlands, which we discussed in season three. I mean, that's a I mean season two. That's a beautiful, beautiful film, you know. And and you know you watch this film and it's down and dirty, but they're they're like the shot you just described. They're getting some amazing shots. I mean, there's shots of 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 the the streets of Christchurch during that during that protest march. They're just you know it's just city lights and the lights of the protesters and it's just it's beautiful stuff you know like it's really yeah it's, it's a, great yeah yeah documentary it's film that is uh, it's full of amazing stuff yeah i mean it's just, i mean it's, the, it's so very well very well shot and very well put together very i mean well it was made. A, clearly a tr- like a training ground for like the pretty much the future of new zealand film and tv i mean <laughs> these guys have got like lists of credits like hercules and xena the quiet earth you know uh, yeah, it's sort, of this, it's sort of the next 20 years or so of New Zealand filmmaking. Yeah, it's just right it's, here. Born, it's almost born here. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, the editor is, is Andy Collins, so I wanted to get into that. We were talking about like the, the mix of back and forth and you know the cyclical nature of the story and whatnot. I mean, Andy, Andy Collins is, is a well-known New Zealand editor. Uh, she uh, once baked me a cake. As a thank you for a particular job I did for her once, so she's 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 always going to be uh, she's thumbs up in my books. <laughs> but you know, she edited uh, like Scarfies, and she edited One Thousand Ropes, which came out last year, which was one of my favorite films of last year. She's she's a super talented uh, filmmaker, um, and it was really interesting listening to her talk. I went to a talk where she um, discussed editing One Thousand Ropes, this Samoan centered film from last year where she would not necessarily look at the script or be too locked in with her filmmaking. I think because she comes from a background of documentary where she would just look at all the footage and, and you know, if the performance is going to take her another way, she'll she'll go with it in that direction as opposed to, like, what are the lines? We'll cut from this line, we'll go to that line, we need this shot. You know, so, you know, and I learned from the process, that talk that the, the process of making 1,000 ropes it be, sort of became a different film from the script to when she was in post-production with the director. And so reading reading interviews with her about this movie, like they were presented with 
thousands of hours you know of footage oh my god i can't even imagine yeah yeah <laughs> it's just just insane amounts of footage and to you know make this the document that we watched that's so important and so amazing is you know it seems astounding i don't know how you know i guess that's part of the reason why it took two odd years to make the damn movie come out i mean Another part of that was that people were not willing to show the film. I mean, at the time, yeah. I think Peter Peter Wells and the listener called it the most uh, controversial film ever made in cinema history of New Zealand. Uh, you know, cinemas were not willing to show this film. How crazy is that? Like, you know, like, uh, you know, we're not willing to, you know, and they couldn't, they couldn't. It wasn't shown on New Zealand television until 1991. You know, I, I remember seeing it on TV. I think maybe even Jeez. at that screening, maybe even that 1991 screening. You know, I, we've got Bill Gosden in the New Zealand, the Wellington New Zealand Film Festival. I think he might have been running it back then. I don't know for sure. I'm pretty sure. Uh, to thank for, you know, sold out sessions and standing ovations and obviously getting it, the word out there that there's this great film that you should go see. So I think it was eventually granted a, a wider cinema release because of that. Can you imagine like this being like, oh, we, you know, we don't want to show this. It's too controversial. You know, rugby is important. And we don't we don't want to upset people. Is that like what's the deal? <laughs> it's just that you know it's it's a song we've heard so many goddamn times. What that, that we don't don't rock the boat. Yeah, no, get your get your politics out of my sport. Get your politics out of my. <laughs> get your politics oh, it's just, out of my sport. It's, it's, oh, it's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sound mix. I want to talk about. We, we, I want to talk about oh, the actual. God, you know, yes, I was gonna. Yes, that's. Before, yes, thank you for reminding me. Because, good lord, the sound in this film is something else. Something else. I mean, I want to get into the nitty gritty of the actual mechanics of this movie, and it's it's great, isn't it? It's it's so. I mean, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it, it's a film where I was incensed by the action on screen because it was a documentary, and so I knew this was quote-unquote true but mm. then it was also a film that i appreciated for the filmmaking talent that was very evident in, mm. the, in the construction of it so it was sort of a construction that i noticed but didn't mind that i noticed i guess right it's, i mean yeah it's just the use of sound is phenomenal in this film it's 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 used to punctuate it's used to help tell the story it's very musical i mean the but, sound yeah, sorry mixed. sorry what did you want to Oh, this, the sound mix. I mean, we're getting to the music, but the sound mix. So Brian Shannon was the sound mix guy. And him, I imagine, working with Annie Collins because they had so much to work with. Because, you know, it was all shot in film. So they'd have a, a either a, a magnetic yeah. tape on the, on, the, on the documentary cameras. Or I imagine a lot of the times because they had sound recorders, separate audio. So, you know, to sync it up and to a lot of it. A lot of it's out of sync, but a lot of it is synced. But they could, because they had so they much could footage. Isolate. They could really isolate that stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, we'd have, we'd have these giant crowds of people, you know, protesting and then marching out the police and we'd hear the police yelling and we'd hear the protesters yelling. And then we'd end up we'd end up isolating the sound of people getting beaten and the cries, you know, just be yeah, pushing the sound harrowing. everything would head away. And it's just, yeah, I mean, you're watching it going, you know, you're just silent because it's just so, whoa, you know, like that's the sound of someone getting the shit kicked out of them. And then they're just, you just hear them crying, you know, and you hear, you don't hear any other sounds and that is powerful you know that's just like you know it really made me angry <laughs> it's like i was like really annoyed at the new zealand police for you know i know that they were just being you know tasked with a job to do but man it's not good but you know, also guys like are... you could see that that job was obviously just against the fucking status quo right they were there to enforce quote unquote the law they were mm. not there for justice no no i mean they, i mean they're 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 the red what do they call them the red the red squad muldoon's red squad and they're 
I mean, they're not right, and they were also they're like, beating, they were beating they're beating unarmed, unarmed people. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was there was only one point in the documentary where we were shown. I think they were essentially uh, rival gang members, weirdly, uh, you know, sort of charging oh, the police yeah, yeah, and throwing yeah. stones at them. But that but well, that was that the only even, moment. I don't think that was rival gang members. I think that was just protesters, wasn't it? Well, there was a, there was one point. There where was we were one shown, shot with like yeah, yeah. a couple of gang members, you know, coming like, in with shields and everything. They were head, also, the headhunters like, and the one like, point uh, where the the cops Mungum. like beat the protesters. Protesters ran away. The cops chased them. Yeah, yeah, fuckers. And then the protesters like turned on them and started hiffing shit at them. So they what? Yeah, that, tail. I mean that, that that bit where they turned tail like that was there were definitely gang members came into that bit. I think that they were possibly the right. leaders of that moment of you know we're going to fight back. So I was like, yeah, fight back. Um, you know, and and Marita Mita at the time was criticised for having a uh, one sided viewpoint, <laughs> which she makes no uh, apologies for. <laughs> No, because you know, being on the correct like... side of the law <laughs> of history, um, uh, where she doesn't show the other side. Well, like, but what would be the other side? It would be like it would be like the police getting ready to beat protesters. You know, like look, <laughs> what's the oh? I mean, there were plenty. There were a fair amount of people that were into the tour in the film. We got enough of that to get a viewpoint of what. I mean, I mean, pro pro the tour. I mean, pro the tour on the other side. The, the, yeah, so it's sort of you know you've got the protesters going uh, through the streets in uh, Hamilton on the way to that first game, and you've got the drunken guy just mm. yelling and calling them wankers. Mm. Um, Extremely drunk man. Yes. Yeah, but then by the end, we've sort of got fifty thousand people. Yeah. Protesting in Auckland and the majority of the country against the tour. Well, they made the point in the documentary to say at least half of New Zealand anti the tour. So I think, I think that did they say at least half, or did they say just over half, or more than half? I think they said half, but 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 whatever whatever it may be, I would say that uh, there would still be a very large portion of New Zealanders uh, that were pro the tour at that time. Yeah, and even to, even today, I would even I would today. even today, <laughs> sport is the most important thing. The, the you know the criticism that she faced, and she. And she unapologetically was like, you know, this is a um, my viewpoint, and you know, my biases as a a Maori filmmaker. It's it's got a definite Maori perspective to the framing of the story, which I think is a fair enough frame because the Maori voice in this movement in New Zealand, I think, is very important. You know, like you know, the number of meetings yeah. that were held at Marae and the leaders of various movements in various places were, you know, you know, majority Māori. I mean, John Minto is obviously very a very important part of that, that movement. His, his organisation is Heart, right? So he's he's up there. But, you know, there was the, 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 the woman at the Marae in Rotorua, like, you know, they're cool ladies, super cool ladies. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, they were, and the <laughs> um, very um, impassioned speech by uh, one Māori woman linking, you know, what's going on in South Africa to, you know, if you're out marching for South Africans, um, you should be out marching for Māori New Zealanders as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's, that, it's that weird thing where, like, you know, the reason it was not shown on TV was because of that weird thing about balance. You know, we'd have to show the other side of the story, but... <laughs> What is the other the side? The government like, gets what? to tell its own side, like, all the time. Exactly. That's also, exactly, it's a yeah, documentary. The... It's not like a journalistic record. Documentaries can and perhaps, you know, should have a point of view. And I, would, like, I, I mean, to me, that's like saying um, fucking Super Size Me should have had half of its runtime devoted to McDonald's and KFC talking about how great they are. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I would also argue that journalism uh, always has a bias. I mean, there's no... Nothing, well, yeah, I mean, it's, nothing, it's, is, nothing is you non-biased. Know, no, exactly. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's a stupid argument. Mm-hmm. I mean, what would it be? Uh, you know, the reason this is interesting is because of the positions that the filmmakers themselves take, their personal views on things, what they're passionate about is why documentaries are interesting. You know, otherwise, what are they? They're just government propagandas i don't know like yeah, what are you what are you, what are you looking for a point of view there's yeah, yeah. always a point of view you cannot and, escape that and what you just said a minute ago is completely correct what's the other side of the story everything you see in your life at all times that's what the other yeah, side everything else um yeah the other side of that story would have been being told in the newspapers on the nightly news your mates the time. at the barbecue saying i like rugby yeah. that's the viewpoint <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> that's what the other side of the story is so yeah unfair criticism at the time you know Muratamita would shoot back with like well what are the Pakia biases you know in your story exactly you're <laughs> you know, like, hell yeah you know, yeah you know you've got you know you've got this Maori bias in your viewpoint she's like yeah I do like and what are the Pakia biases in your viewpoint you know as if that is a negative to why this shouldn't be shown to people is crazy <laughs> it's just <sighs> nuts it's just crazy but there are people that still think like that oh you know but you've got a bias in this so i don't believe your viewpoint in this i'm like fair enough maybe you should just watch it and see whether there's anything you can gain from it you know who knows so the music was another thing i wanted to mention so something i don't remember at all i haven't seen this in quite a while but i've seen it before but something i don't remember at all from my previous viewings are the chords of the New Zealand anthem being played at various points in this movie oh, man, yeah. and becoming more and more distorted and by the yeah. end is just a dissonant mess of music and it's just like it's oh I mean, and it even opens <laughs> it even opens with that um it's so great overlaying the sound of the New Zealand national anthem with chants you know protest chants and music from uh, South Africa you know, it so opens great. with that, and it's like, it's like, oh man, throughout the entire film, it's so strong at linking the two countries, really. At times, I was, you know, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, the national anthem, over the, the start, you're like, oh, that's, that's powerful imagery. And then later on, it showed, I think, at one point when the, the first protest is seen. And, you know, and it's and it's a little bit distorted. I was like, oh, they've, you know, they've obviously got a musician that's not that good. And then it just gets worse and worse. I'm like, oh, this is great. It's so great. You know, I love it so yeah, much. Yeah, you know, and it does, it, I'm sure it has the national anthem playing over, you know, scenes of people getting beat by the police. So Yeah, I mean, the, the last one, where it, it's yeah. literally over the scenes. Of, and, it, you know, it's only the first few chords, but yeah, it's, and then it fades out. But it's great. It's so great. It's um, the music is by I don't know who did that particular bit, but there are four people creditors with the music. Dire Tribe, which is interesting. It's a great name for a band. Uh, Tim Kingy, Sid Melbourne, and Haruru Mai. So, whoever did that great work, great work, nice work, nicely done. I mean, and the the, the protest, the music of the protesters, Herbs, and at one point Hell there's yeah. a guy called Reeves. What was it? Rick Reeves or something? It's all great. Oh, he's singing like, it's a song about music. Steve Biko. Yeah, 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 that guy. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. great. It's yeah, so and great. then you know they've just got their own. The, then there's the protest chants that are musical, and then of course there's the protesters that are dressed up like bunny rabbits and mutters. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> when my you get to the a- end, and it's like the art students are getting favorite. involved. Like, oh man, you guys pissed off the clowns and the mimes. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite bit in that 
the, with the with the clowns like we, we get to a, we get to a protest march in Auckland and it's like all the signs are beautifully made because it's all the artists all the artists have made the signs it's just great but my wife is like oh look at another, another beautifully painted sign you know yeah. like signs that weren't made in a hurry signs that weren't made to just go protest signs that were like we're going to make a beautiful march all the Auckland artists got together and made these beautiful signs there's one that's like it's it's times like it's it was it moments like these where you need minties but it's like mintos oh, yeah. you need minto yeah. <laughs> you need minto so great that's well, and it's interesting because you have because and again yeah you have those people dressed up in these goofy costumes frankly so great so great you know, and then one of the very almost one of the last shots is one of those people on the ground after having been beaten beat by the police yeah yeah crying i mean it's uh, pretty heart-wrenching stuff yeah. Um, what I wanted to yeah. get into was was my favorite bit of the. I mean, that that's that's bad, <laughs> but it, I think it was him and some of the other people dressed up in the bunny rabbits and clowns, and they're all holding baguettes, you know. Yes. And they're you know, they're in the there's the line of policemen going down, you know, marching at two step like with their batons out, and behind them in line with the same poses are like oh, yeah. four of these guys in like bunny outfits holding baguettes and it's just like it's the best and there's all those guys talking about like they're you know making fun of the police with the oink oink here and oink oink there but my favorite bit in sort of connection to that is that like they, they've obviously followed behind those policemen and i don't think they've noticed because then later on in the film they're being led out from behind the police lines like yeah like, it's like they obviously got through like what the they got police? through somehow because yeah at first i was very confused it's like what why are these guys on the police side what's going on oh, at some right, point someone was like yes. wait a minute who the hell are these bunny guys we need to get yeah. them out of here so great well done uh, Steve, whoever you Steve, were is the uh is the bunny guy with us is he with us are they with us no no he's not daryl yeah, so I remember talking to Russell Campbell, who is one of our lecturers from film school. He's done lots of various amazing things uh, in far as like film stuff goes, but he was quite the good lecturer. I, I enjoyed my time with him. But I remember talking to him about this, and he told me a great story about how you know the Vanguard officers were raided by the police, you know, because they were looking, they were looking for footage, <laughs> they were looking. Like, you know, and I was reading, I was reading about Marita Mita on, on, on the NZ on screen website, which is where I watched this documentary too. And, and she was like, yeah, we had to like, during the edit process, we like to had to hide footage from the police. Like the police were hassling us during the edit process, you know, cause they wanted the footage in order to prosecute people. And I was like, you know, if they're looking at this footage, it shows them and their faces beating on innocent protesters, you know, like, yeah. if anyone's going to get, they like, the footage to get rid of the footage. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, you know, you know, this, this is like, did this not lead, like, you know, at the end of the credits, they're talking about, like, you know, prosecution, there were people still being held in prison at the time, you know, waiting, or, yeah, or was, being, was, waiting prosecution. Uh, yeah, because by the time it was finished, there was still, was it 12? 12, yeah. 12 people, people still awaiting trial or something trial. like that. Trial, yeah. And I was like, how come, how come there are no charges being laid against these policemen, like, beating on innocent New Zealanders? Like, it's just crazy, isn't it? Like, you know, if anything, this is a document that will help prosecute policemen, not people. <laughs> you know, you watch it now, and, and I think, could this ever happen again? Could we have police beating people in the street in New Zealand? Well, it's like, interesting. Like, I think, like, you know, given our recent election and the recent happiness behind the new government and Jacinda Mania and such, and this is like, yeah, can you... Imagine Jacinda Ardern sending the cops out to. I don't know. I mean, I I mean, I I honestly wouldn't put it past any government. I guess not. Yeah. I mean, and that, now that, I'm on a watch list. So. 
I thought it was interesting, like, you know, when John Key, our former prime minister of New Zealand, was asked about this, the tour, because at some point everyone gets oh, asked yeah. about this. You know, his, his, his answer was, you know, because he's a you know, slimy politician like a lot of them are, his answer was, I don't remember. You know, I don't remember. Which is like, you don't remember? It was like a defining moment in New Zealand history. Like, and, and I think he was also like, oh, yeah, I like my sport at the time. So, you know, so he's kind of a... Oh, yeah, he was, he was all about All Blacks, All Blacks, All Blacks, Rich McCall, Rich McCall. We're best mates. <laughs> and the All Blacks doing great, so I'm doing great. Aren't I great? I'm John Key. Hello. <laughs> Um, uh, hello John how you doing um yeah you seem like a chap I could have a barbecue with um he seems he I mean his answers were so middle you know like I don't remember so you can't prosecute me for not being anti and you can't be angry at me for being pro like I'm just middle of the road you know aren't we all friends whereas Helen Clark's answer was like yeah I was protesting you know like yeah (laughs) like it's a real like well it's interesting now you're probably Jacinda Ardern's answer would be um I, I was a baby. Was a toddler, I wasn't born. So I was a toddler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but my, but you know, I'd have more respect born, for born. I'd have more respect for a politician if they <laughs> were like, yeah, took I was a pro. Stance. Yeah, yeah, took a stance, you know. And it's sort of interesting because my my wife, you know, worked on a a theatre show at the time about it because of that. You know, I I'd only bring it up because it's like eighty one, like you say, almost forty years ago, but it's still resonant. Like it's still an important moment in New Zealand. I feel like it's one of the most yeah, important I mean, it's like, moments uh, in New Zealand. Watching it, like, there's history. still, like, there's, yeah, John Minto. People know, still know who John Minto is. The, Tama Iti. Um, Tama Iti is in it. Yeah, yeah. And speaks I mean, he's in the front Korea. lines there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, who, oh, Tim Shadbolt. Tim yeah, Tim Shadbolt's up there. Tim Smiling Shadbolt. Um, My dad you went to university with. Small world. Yeah, so, and then I think <laughs> even, you know, sort of people that didn't get a, a talking head moment and didn't get a, a name against them but I, that I sort of recognised it's like oh these are you know so it's and again it's only two years before I was born so it's it's still a thing it's, it's funny because like I don't know whether I needed I mean it's, obviously at some point you were taught what it is but I remember it just being even before we watched Patu at film school I think I, actually, I think I saw Patu on TV before like when I was little but I feel like it's always been part of the consciousness like at some point I must I feel have like asked, yeah oh, the what, what was the Springbok 80... tour has been a and I suspect uh, maybe a large part of that is due to this film as well, right? Like that would have made an impression on people. You know, even even today, I'm reading the comments on the NZ on Screen website from young young folk that are watching this at high school. You know, and they're and they're grateful, and it's blowing their minds. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's it is like it was a yeah. like you look at it almost as if a weird alien moment. Like, did that happen? Did that happen here? We part of that little quarter acre slice of paradise. It's like, yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it totally did. Happened. And thank goodness for people like Benita Mita and all them, all them people helping her out, making this film possible. Thank you. It's, I mean, it's it really is like every moment, every moment I'm watching it. Like Tama Iti shows up. I'm, you know, and he's he's very prominent in New Zealand politics, and he's so young and fresh faced. And and then then he's there later on, like he's at a meeting, but then he's there later on, linked arms, the front of one of those 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 protests on the. I think that's the one that Hamilton, I'm not entirely sure that's the whole cyclical nature of the film, but, you know, I, I look at it and go, this is a document to end all documents, you know, like, this is amazing. Like, it's such yeah, a, it's a, it's a historical a, moment. I think, and I think that's the thing, is that it is a great document of a bit of a turning point. I, I don't even know if it was a turning point necessarily, but it was a, a moment. Yeah, a moment. In New Zealand history. I think it's important, and I think that it has, it's been important that it was captured with this voice. 
Yeah, I haven't. I'm, it's one of those things. Like, I think on the show we tend to be quite <laughs> positive about films that we like, and we don't tend to talk too about too many films we don't like. I mean, my only one negative criticism, and then by the end of it, it's not really a criticism. Is that at times I'm like, where is this? What's happening? But I'm like, ah, oh, it's just it's just the chaos of the tour. You know, it's just it's just what it is. <laughs> you know, it's just the, it was just the moment. Yeah, the moment I think where crazy my, shit was happening. <laughs> yeah, my my one criticism was like. It, sort of I think three quarters of the way through is like oh Jesus it's just constantly people protesting and getting beat by police and it's like actually that's the fucking point yeah yeah that's the, that's the point <laughs> like... that is the point like we are correct and you are still beating us I mean if it comes to the point where you are putting up containers shipping containers and lines and lines of barbed wire and bringing in the military for a sports game Maybe you made the wrong decision. Yeah. <laughs> like, just maybe that maybe. was the wrong call, you know? Like, just, I mean, oh, but look, we're only but doing that because we're only doing that because the protesters are like, but the protesters are unarmed. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. The barbed wire is not necessary. Just maybe. Just, just, just maybe. <laughs> you made the wrong call. Yeah, great film. I mean, I was, it, was, it was good to rewatch this. And, you know, we haven't done any documentaries. It's sort of mainly focused on, on narrative feature because I, I was worried, like, you know, I don't whether we have the, the vocab to talk about documentaries, but I think we do. I, I know this is great. I'm really glad we watched it for this season. It's an important and entertaining and... Well, entertaining an is the wrong word. An important <laughs> part of New Zealand film history and an important part of New Zealand history. Um, but it's yeah. not boring. It's fascinating, no. you know? It's not like, it's not like we're, we're going to go watch a museum film, you know? Like, it's no. just fascinating amazing. Fascinating and engaging and... For God's sakes, it's available on New Zealand on screen for, for free. free. For free. And you, you watched it overseas. It's not region blocked. Yes. No. Cinema. So please, um, if you're listening and you haven't seen Patu, please watch Patu. Yeah. I mean, it's there's there's quite a few documentaries available on Zealand on screen because they you know it's what they're doing. It's a stock, a pretty much a historical representation of what New Zealand but is. please watch this As one. far as film if and TV. You're not, this if you're not going to watch any other documentary, <laughs> yeah, watch, this, watch one. this one. So great. All right. Five stars from Rajiv. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're, okay we're rating jesus uh, uh <laughs> we've been rating everyone everyone so far like five stars i love them i love these films <laughs> <laughs> that, that won't that won't continue there's there's a few that were a bit more they're all great about, yeah. two thumbs up five stars five stars six unicorns six 100%. <laughs> um we all should right. mention that mirita has passed away uh, Sadly, yes. at, at uh, this time now. yeah i think 2010 12 um but her jesus, son hippie really? his son her son Hippie is making a do- documentary about it. There has been documentaries made about her in the past, but there will be another one coming out in the near future. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, excellent. Well, hopefully, cool. hopefully I'll be able to see that at some point as well. Hopefully, um, and yeah. And hopefully we all will. We all will. Um, yes. Right. You can find me on the Twitter at Rajivfilm, R-A-J-E-E-V-F-I-L-M. You can find the podcast at N-T-Z-O-F. Uh, you can visit our website. Please rate and review. We'd really appreciate that if you can. Much appreciate it. Where can they find you, Andrew? At Andy James underscore Inc. with a K. That's on the Twitter, the Instagram, and the Letterboxd. Not LinkedIn. Letterboxd. Don't the letter- LinkedIn. I'm also... <laughs> not LinkedIn. I'm also on the Letterboxd at, uh, at Regifilm, R-A-J-E-E-V-F-I-L-M. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another film made by a prominent female New Zealand filmmaker. Woohoo! We'll see you then. Good day.